Tom here. Welcome back to Owl Celebrates Learning, a podcast that features the stories of students from the owl community. Today we will hear from two podcasters, one who will tell us a story about a Syrian refugee's flight to Switzerland, and the second will tell us about German-American immigration after World War I. With their country now facing economic ruin, Syrians need to turn to other countries to immigrate to. Given that by the year 2015, Syrians were making on the average the equivalent of 79 cents per day. That amount of money would only stretch as far as to get you a kilo of flour in Syria. A civil war started in Syria after the Syrian government had a violent crackdown on citizens protesting and showing their support for a group of teenagers that were arrested for anti-government graffiti in the southern town of Dara. Poverty is a huge problem for those staying in Syria, as well as those emigrating. 8 in 10 people are living below the poverty line in Syria. 12.4 million people go to sleep hungry every night, which is around 60% of the population. More than 50% of Syrians live in extreme poverty. Citizens remaining in Syria are struggling severely because many of them have lost jobs. With all these lost jobs, most are having trouble affording the basics of living, including clean water, electricity, food, medicine, and paying rent. Recent climate-based media, little as it may be, has told us the weather has not been kind to Syria either. While the climate is normally Mediterranean with dry summers, recently in Syria's northwest region, there have been torrential rains, strong winds, and floods. This storm has been destroying many refugees' tents and supplies, leaving many homeless. As you can imagine, the war has had a large impact on children. Most children have been exposed to extreme violence, and more than one-third of Syrian children don't have access to an education. Many families have also become migrants because of their children. Here's the story of a Syrian family who left Syria in 2014. I have an interview with Nadal Botman, as reenacted by Michael Swanson, as he discusses his parents, three siblings, and his journey to Switzerland, and how he kept up his education. I grew up in the Syrian city of Homs, where I lived with my parents and three siblings. In 2012, while I was in secondary school, war erupted in Syria. My city was bombarded every day. I continued to go to school, but life was very difficult. Nidal and his family are some of the 6.8 million Syrians who attempted to stay in Syria after the war started. One day, my father was arrested for no reason. I suddenly had to take care of everything. I stopped studying, started to work. I tried to find my father. Four months later, after my family paid a huge sum of money, he was released and we fled to Lebanon. There are 5.6 million Syrians seeking safety outside of Syria, and Nidal and his family were one of the many refugees going to Lebanon. We wanted to go to Turkey, but my father was ill, so we joined my uncle, who lived in Lebanon. In order to treat my father, the doctor said he needed a paper from the UNHCR. Soon we were being interviewed to go and live in Europe. After many rounds of interviews, we couldn't believe it we were finally being resettled to Switzerland. Most refugees remain in the Middle East after they leave Syria, and Nidal and his family were one of around 20,000 Syrian refugees in Switzerland. Learning is so important for me. I want to show the Swiss people that we are good people. Today, 
Nidal is studying micro and medical technology at a university in Bern, Switzerland. Initially, I encountered challenges enrolling in university in Bern. I was not informed properly. One day, I met Joost, a Swiss mechanical engineer. He listened to my story and decided to help me and my sister. He took me to an open university day where I started German language classes and began my studies in micro and medical technology. I believe that if you have determination and if you are lucky to meet someone who is willing to help you, everything is possible. This country has become my home. I feel at home here and the Swiss people have been most welcoming. But if I hadn't been forced to flee my home, I would never have left my Syria. There are more than 3.6 million Syrian refugees in Turkey, making it the largest refugee population in the world. Most refugees there live outside of refugee camps with limited access to basic needs. There are around 831,000 Syrian refugees in Lebanon, which is around 14% of Lebanon's entire population, and many live in primitive conditions. The numbers slowly decrease with less in Jordan, Iraq, and Egypt, although all the numbers are quite high, as the Syrian refugee crisis is the largest refugee crisis in the world. At the turn of the 21st century, Syrians were facing a refugee crisis unlike what German-American immigrants had experienced. At the turn of the 20th century, an estimated 2.3 million German-born immigrants lived in the United States. A decade later, there were only 1.7 million German-born immigrants in the United States. What happened to lead to this, and why do so many German-Americans seemingly have no cultural upbringings? Prior to the First World War, the German-American population was the largest non-English-speaking population within American society. However, after World War I ended, the German population in the United States dropped by 600,000. The reason for this likely being between the two great wars, anti-German sentiment in America led to a lot of German prosecution, with German-Americans being forced to assimilate lest they be targeted for their culture due to the belief that all German-Americans were loyal to the Kaiser, which was a type of German emperor. This meaning that while a significant portion of those immigrants likely died in the First World War as soldiers, that wasn't the only reason for them to no longer appear on census data in the same numbers they previously had. Many German-Americans lost their jobs at the time. Many more simply cut ties to their heritage and assimilated into American culture as German publications and teachings fell out of favor. An example of this we see is that in just a decade between 1910 and 1920, the German language publications within America had fallen by half of the numbers that the previous decade held. During both world wars, the American government held an internment camp in which ethnically German Americans were sometimes placed due to Germans being America's undesirables and often referred to as the Huns. While there were propaganda posters being made at the time that portrayed the Germans much the same way that the propaganda posters of the Cold War era portrayed the Soviets. By the time that the Nazi party was coming to power leading to the World War II, there was an estimated 230,000 German refugees that fled to America, facing the push factor that was the Nazi party. At this time, Germany also had a large-scale brain drain of notable academic scholars facing forced immigration due to the war. These were names such as Albert Einstein or Bruno Walter. 
talk more on the topic of what the transition life was like for these immigrants is my grandfather, Douglas Lake. I remember that uh, was in a special class for advanced students when he was a kid. And grandma should have been in an advanced class, but she didn't learn how to speak English until she got to kindergarten. She only spoke German. So because she didn't speak English that well, she was just put in regular class. I'm guessing it was kind of difficult. Her name was Johanna Glettler. But her maiden name was Wagner or Wagner, the way it's pronounced in German. So while German immigrants in America often didn't face many of the issues that other immigrants faced, such as volatile surrounding countries that they had to flee to, they did face many of the after-effects of German culture needing to assimilate within America. Thank you for these compelling stories. I am gladdened to hear that it seems like humanity is showing progress when dealing with migrants. If you are interested in hearing more stories like these, please subscribe to the podcast, and if you like what you hear, share it with other podcast lovers you know. Positive reviews are always appreciated as well. If interested, you can find other quality work at owlcelebrateslearning.com, such as publications and documentaries. Reach out to the channel at owlcelebrateslearning at gmail.com. Thanks again to Gabe Z for the intro and outro music we are using this season. Insert snappy closing statement here.